welcome everybody to another episode of RM Sotheby's Car Show. And in this episode, we're going to tackle three topics, primarily three topics, which are to varying degrees, sometimes annoy people, people understand it or they don't. But whatever your opinion, it's def they are all definitely a thing in the car collecting world. And those three things are the questions over original paint, mileage and matching numbers. Three things that are quite emotive and also very interesting. And I think you're going to find this episode interesting in terms of us kind of digging under those three topics, um, just discussing the place that they have in the car collecting world. So sit back and enjoy. This season, we've sort of been going down the route of tackling a few topics and it very much comes off the back of, of, of us, you know, being in the office and, and thinking about all the things that really annoy us. Uh, uh, and it's many, it's many, isn't There's it? There's lots it's, there, there are so many things that annoy us and not just Harry Styles. I'm joined once again by Anders Billet and uh, I said it right. You got it. Uh, and Will Smith. Yeah, that's specialist. right as well. Yeah. <laughs> and we are going to talk. I think we've all got a slightly different B&R respective bonnets about what we're going to talk about but matching numbers original paint and mileage three quite emotive topics yeah which have become obsessions in this hobby it's in this market some brand might i add well uh, okay okay um, well, more so anyway for some brands than others. I, I think yeah. it's, a it, it's a thing across the board, but I agree. Mainly the brands that recorded the engine numbers and the chassis numbers from the beginning. Those, those that didn't, yeah. it's less of an issue. Naturally. Yeah. Um, it, okay. By default. Yeah. yeah. But well, let's come on to matching numbers in a bit. Okay. Let's talk a little bit first about... Let's talk about mileage, okay? Because this is something that personally gets on my goat. Right. Um, what I don't, what I've never understood, is that somewhere, somewhere lurking around 1980-ish, yeah, is this line in the sand where something made after people genuinely don't seem to have any. Uh, uh, oh, oh, sorry any car made after mileage appears to become a huge issue mm -hmm. mm. and any car manufactured prior to that all of a sudden it's not and i've never understood it so let's just take an example mm -hmm. let we've been talking uh, we're surrounded uh, by ferraris at the moment so good place to start why does it not matter how many miles a daytona has done and whether it's had its engine rebuilt at, or had its engine rebuilt multiple times yeah. since 1971. Yeah. Why does that not really matter? And why, and, and in any case, you can't believe what's on the odometer anyway. Yeah. And why, by the time you get to a, an F40, why does the mileage suddenly become everything? I th think, I think you actually said it yourself. Because of Daytona, you can't believe what's on the odometer anyway. Well, can you so on an F40? Well, maybe not, but, but there's maybe a perception that you can. I think 
I think it's... But, I, but, but, but sorry to interrupt. No, go. But, but even allowing for the possibility of clocking a car or not clocking a car... Yeah. No, and I know. Conceptually, people would not even... If I was buying a Daytona, asking how many miles is... Well, you know, I've... I've okay, so I've got a boxer, haven't I? You're just looking for a good example. Yes. You, you don't... Act, it doesn't really matter how many miles no. I've got. I, I think there are. I think there are several aspects to it. Uh, and I'm not necessarily saying whether that's right or wrong, but I just think there's several aspects to it. One is that the age of the car, uh, I think people just accept that there's less and less, the older the car gets, there's less and less likelihood that it's going to be low mileage and that it's going to be believable low mileage, even if it is low mileage and so on. Also, um, as the car gets older, I think we also understand then, most people understand that at that point, the mileage is actually not necessarily an indication of how good the car is at mm. that point you start buying much more on condition whereas if you're buying something newer let's say you're buying let's go even newer than the f4 let's say you're looking at the 550 maranello that's sort of a modern day daytona yeah, yeah. um they're all so new that there are few of them that are i mean of course you can get really good ones and less good ones but there are a few 550 maranellos out there that are truly tr truly horrible rusted out wrecks mm. not many there so when you're then looking at that, all those cars on the market and trying to choose one, condition doesn't really pay that big a part in it. So what are you then going to look at? Mileage. Whereas now we shift our attention to the Daytona and they're old and they've lived their life and several of them have been restored at least once, twice, three, four, five times. Mm. Mileage, who cares? But how well was that restoration done? Who did it? How well was it documented? now we're buying on condition rather than mileage yeah i think yeah. There's, there's two there's two schools of thought here i think we have as an auction house have slightly screwed ourselves to a certain extent on this topic because there are two types of buyer out there there's the buyer that buys to collect it and preserve it as mm. some yeah. mothball jewel right which is a real thing you know and actually we see higher prices for those sorts of cars than we do the other type of collector, which is the guy that just wants to drive the yes. car. So we've used an F40 as an example, right? That, the car we have over there is 20,000 kilometers, which I would argue is quite usable mileage. You can do 30,000 kilometers and it's not going to make a huge difference to the value. In the value, yeah. Whereas in Monterey, we had an F40 with 900 kilometers from new on it. You can't drive it. Now, what the hell do you do with that car? It is a, it is a perfectly preserved original reference point car right for condition originality and everything else which is great it's just though that the market and the fashion today is that that car is worth more as an original untouched thing than the car that's done 20,000 kilometers which, which only emphasizes the fact that you can't use it because you then pay a premium for those 900 kilometers if you then start using it you've thrown your premium away yeah. so you at this yeah. point you're sort of forced to go down the route of mothballing it and have yeah, I mean, yeah. if you if you if you're like most people, if you have to keep an eye on preserving the value in your car. I mean, if you're very very wealthy, you can buy a 900 mile F40 and yeah. and and and, and put, it and put yeah. 50,000 miles yeah. on yeah. it. And and if it goes down in value, you don't care. You don't care. Pretty I cool. Mean, but that yeah, that's quite a rarefied it situation. Is. I but yeah, I mean, I, I I do think that the obsession with mileage has cornered. The young timer market, mm. it, 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 I mean, it has literally cornered it into a place where 
these cars are becoming unusable because people are paranoid yeah. about... But that's, yeah. that's a consequence of the values, right? The values have risen so much in our yeah. industry in the last even 10 years, you know, that inevitably these factors are going to creep in. And it's unfortunate in a way because we like driving cars and we like cars to be driven. Yeah. But the car that's done 100 miles from new is going to be worth more than the car that's done 100,000 miles. It just is at the moment. And, and but the, the funny thing is, is the but the funny thing is you, you, you're right. You, you say, because talking about the value, that's just what it is. That's the market deciding, such is life. But the funny thing is, I would actually rather buy the car with 80,000 miles on rather than one that has 100,000 miles on because I know it works. It's well, these European as well. The Europeans have another thing about mileage, right? They are not scared about a 200,000, 300,000 kilometer car. Whereas it seems like in the UK, we have my, this weird thing where like, if it gets towards 100, you've got to sell it. My beloved BMW 2002. Has been to the moon and back. Yeah, it's done 340,000 kilometers wow. and I'm proud of it. And I actually strive to put on as many miles every summer as I can because I want to reach 500,000 before I'm put into the grave. See, I need to do that with this car. Culturally, there's a difference, isn't there? And, 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 but I'll tell you what, is it a bad car? Well, the guy who's looking at a low mileage collector, he's, he, he would never even consider my 2002. But I'm going to argue that if you find any 2002 out there that has, if you can, if you can find one that's done 10 or 15,000 miles, kilometers, whatever, don't care, really low mileage. I'm going to argue my car's going to drive better. Well, I, and I think also, yeah, that's... Um, because it works. Good, good to hear. I, you know, one of the things, though, is that, you know, if, if we're having one of our, you know, uh, a specialist meeting and somebody says, yeah, I, I, I don't know why we're picking on F40s, just a good example. I've got an F40, I might, con you know, maybe we can consign it for an upcoming sale. Um, it's done 45,000 miles and all of a sudden everyone looks at each other in the room and goes oh well, I don't know that's a lot isn't it and, you're, and I'm sitting there thinking it's done 45,000 miles in 35 years it's not a lot most people do 45,000 miles in three years yes. in, a, in an Audi A5 yeah. you know it's not a lot of so you we've got to this point where people are going you know there's an expectation the gauge of whether something is high mileage or yeah. low mileage yeah. a million three hundred thousand miles is a lot of miles by any standard but yes. but you know forty five thousand miles is not a lot of mileage no. and the whole expectation that a saleable f40 needs to have done under twenty thousand miles mm. it's 20 thousand miles in 30 30 years, 35 years, you know, yeah. it's, it's, it's nothing. nothing. It's and, nothing. And, and the truth is, mechanical components don't like sitting still. Mm. They like to be used. Hence why I'm saying my O2 is a better car than the ones that don't drive. And, and that, that's my O2, but that applies to anything, I would argue. Yeah. So if you, if you intend to actually drive and use your car, forget everything about this whole low mileage thing. Buy purely on condition, buy on service history, get a car that's got high mileage and been driven you're not going to depreciate the car by using it and you're buying a car that you know works because it's just been driven for a ton of miles by its previous owner yeah, yeah. Uh, it's often the cars that we've come across that have been sat in collections for a long time long periods in between their service histories where unfortunately you have to spend the most amount of money on them yeah to, to reconduct almost yeah mechanically restore them again because you know they don't as you say they hate standing around doing nothing but all but all that said i do acknowledge that that 
people buy for various reasons. And if you are buying as a collector, yeah. you don't really drive, you, you put them away and you collect, you have this perfect collection of whatever, Ferraris, Maseratis, Porsches, whatever. Then yes, I do understand that from that perspective, there is added value in having this, uh, the virginity, if you will, of an unrestored, uh, low mileage, pure car. Blah, blah, pure car, you know, it's never, almost never been touched. Um, there is something cool about that. There I mean, is, there you know, is. When, when you see one that's been, you know, caked in dust and has not, has never been touched and never been, yeah, there is something on you, because you don't see that so often. You know, no. I, 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 that brings us on to the original paint. So yeah, let's think, do, does let's, that matter? Well, it's it's kind of the same. It's kind of the same discussion because if you're going to drive your car, it doesn't. Because yeah, I have a confession though. I have a confession. I, I personally, when I bought my last car, I hunted for one that had original paint because all right, it's not particularly classic old old car. It's a modern classic, and it's a Ford Focus. <laughs> Ex Colin McRae. Yeah, no. but it's a gear. No. But it's an M3, right? And I wanted an original paint car because I just wanted to know that that car hadn't had a bang. Yeah. That, that was it, really. And yeah. so it, I was willing to pay a premium for that car because it had original paint. Yes. And that's what I wanted. And it's, it's a bit weird and a bit snobby and it doesn't apply to all cars, but original paint is a thing. And it's quite me easily measured these days with our little paint ga gauges that we've got. Mm. It, it, you're right, it, absolutely it's a thing. Mm. Do I care about it? I, you know, I've had pre-war cars that have probably been painted 30 times. Yeah. I've got, my boxer was born blue, turned red, he's blue again now. Don't give a monkeys. No. Um, so, you know, I get it with certain cars, you know, uh, uh, cars with carbon weave body, you know, and, 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 and when you blow more paint onto it, all of a sudden you can't see the texture yes. of the carbon. I think there are certain circumstances, but would I rather have a car with a really lovely paint job or a car with original paint? I'd just, I just, I, I think it depends very much on one, what you're buying the car for. The more you intend on driving it, the less the original paint probably matters. Mm. Um, and I think it also depends on, on, on the car and the car's history. If there's, if you're buying into a one owner car, you know, always maintained, preserved, full documented history, once you're going down that road, I would say if you could then say, oh, and they've maintained it beautifully for 40 years and it's the original paint with just one or two small scuffs. I think that that's value. I think it's cool yeah. because it because it adds to that story that you're building around the car. Yeah. We all yeah. like a good story. That's why we buy classic cars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The history and the story of each car. Um, so so it, it depends on the context. I'd rather but, have, for example, a scruffy original paint car than a shiny, shiny painted one. Okay. Like but stone on, chips. But only if there's a history that backs the scruffy paint up. If it's a car that ha you have no idea what the mileage is, you have no idea how many previous owners, mm. you have, you, there's, there's no invoices, there's, no there's nothing. But I just wouldn't buy it. Well, no, no, <laughs> but let's just say, if that car had original paint, yeah. I, would, I would probably respray it. Because, because there's, there's the, the, the original paint is sort of out of context. But but if yeah. you've got all the other stuff, it 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 like there's a car builds. over there, right? The the Mercedes 370S. Yes. Nineteen thirty-three car. What looks like original paint. I mean probably yeah. original paint. It looks like because yeah. there's paint and then there's metal. Yeah. And there's rust. But I love that because it's just 
honest. It's honesty. Yeah. Original yeah. paint, to me, it is honesty. It, it, you're right, but if you buy that car, are you leaving it like that? I will. Would. Will would. Yeah, I would. Actually. I would. I would control it, stabilize it, redo the, all the underside of the car, redo all the mechanicals, put it back as it is, and lacquer it as it is. Because. But then it's not original anyway. No, it's not original. But because the lacquer is not there from correct. Factory. All right, no, no, all right, Mister Finickety, I, I hear uh. you. I hear you. But it's about showing something that wears its history. Yeah. Right. And I love that. I absolutely love. Even if it's scruffy as. But then, but then I that like car it. does actually have quite a bit of history to back up the way it looks today. Yeah. And that's, mean, what I'm, that's what I'm saying. I think it needs to. It, it depends on the context. If it fits yeah, into the history of the car. I think it's a charming and lovely thing, which does add value. Yeah, I, so. Mm -hmm. But then I think on other cars, like you, I wouldn't give a monkeys. I don't care. Uh, d d yeah. d don't get me wrong. I, I'm not a lover or condoning over restoration. And I, I, I mean, would I want um, a, a piece of 18th century furniture to look like it's had a life, or would I like it polished to look like it's brand new? Mm. No, of course not. I would. You want it to look like a piece of 18th century mm. furniture. Yeah. And, and I, you know, and I t I'm totally on board with that with cars because we're all guilty of it. Um, the market generally, you know, people walking around with debt, you know, paint depth meters and, you know, mm -hmm. oh, oh, I think the rear wing's been resprayed. And, 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 and it it's, probably do. Actually. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, an, it's, an it's an essential tool for a specialist because yeah, the paint can hide, good paint can hide a plethora of issues yeah. underneath. Yeah. And, you, yeah. and we as specialists need to kind of know as much fact about a car as we possibly can yeah. so a paint that a paint reader for us is a really useful tool to just do that on the top of the paint readers yes i mean i i will use mine as well and and i don't panic if i get a number that indicates this car has most likely been painted mm. if it's still a low number but yeah. where it's where it's really relevant is if you get a massive what, number, you know it's just filler. What you don't filler, want is filler, filler, overflow. Yeah, that's that's not a good that's reading a, that's, to get. That's, you know, that's, then that's, then you've yeah. got filler and filler and filler and filler, and yeah. you know, ooh, back off. But, this is not good. You know, there was a time, right? And then this has changed. This attitude towards paint has changed dramatically because there was a time that even if you had small amount of stone chips, well, you just respray the whole car. Yeah, that that for a long, long time. Similarly, with Concord d'Elegance. The aim of the game was to have the shiniest, most perfect paint you could have on whatever car that and was, right? And bright work and everything. And bright work and everything. And it still, to a certain extent, is. If you go to Pebble Beach and you see our restorations that RM restorations do, they are to the highest quality of paint and chrome you could imagine in your life. But increasingly, in the last five to ten years, there has been this little growing number of community oh. that go, Preservation class. Preservation and yeah. originality is actually more interesting than shiny, shiny, perfect yep. paint. No, I, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so look, we've talked about uh, paint, we've talked about mileage. So the other, the other obsession in the market is matching numbers. How many times have we sat in meetings, as we did this morning, and go, oh yeah, but that, you know, it's not matching numbers, yeah. and almost as if it's, oh. Good lord of thing. Above. Just, just burn the car. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to try to restrain myself on this topic, uh, but I'm probably going to fail. So for the, for the benefit of our listeners, when we talk about matching numbers, we're talking about um, the, the major components. So basically the, the engine block, 
the chassis and occasionally, you know, ge gearbox or at the very minimum, you would classify a matching numbers car as, as having the same engine block and the chassis and the engine, which were mated together the day it left the factory. Yes. Yeah. Now, if you were a, a um, well, I wasn't exactly a child of the 80s, but I did. I learned to drive in the 80s. I was driving in the 80s, let's say. So all me and my first car was an MG Midget. Now, 1968 MG Midget. I put two engines in that car because, you know, one would break. I'd go to a breaker's yard, find another one, yeah. and that would break, you yeah. know. So that's just what everyone did, right? Yeah. And, and, and there are plenty of people who would have been running E-types over the last would have been doing 40, the 50 years. Porsche 911s, yeah. you name it. Um, and nobody, you just do the sensible thing. Yeah. You're just like, okay, it's a lump of metal. It's a, pe mm. it's a piece of metal. It's an engine. It's a, bun it's yeah. a bunch of moving yeah. parts bolted yeah. together. Let's get rid of that one and let's put a better one in. Yes. Yeah. Now, we can't do that anymore. Or no. people feel, I mean, I'm okay, you can on an MG Midget. We're talking about a five grand car. But... Um, why, where, why have we got to this point where we're, we're, we obsess about it? I think... Value. Value. Yeah. Uh, well, and yeah. Values. I think... I think... I feel quite strongly about this topic. But even so, I'm going to start off by defending it a little bit. Because we need to understand where it started. And we, we spoke about mileage, we spoke about paint. It, it, it's about getting the, the, the unmolested original car. That's what we all want. And unfortunately today, matching numbers has become this all-encompassing term, which makes us believe it, I'm probably buying this unmolested original perfect car. Yeah. And so if we go backwards a step, well, 20 steps, I understand where it started. We all want an unmolested, untouched, perfect, original, as it left the factory car. And I get that. So do I. Mm -hmm. Lovely. Um, nothing wrong with that. But where it goes off the track is that today, if a car is matching numbers, we almost by default think that that's what we're buying, which is frankly a load of rubbish because it's not necessarily. Mm. Um, I've, I've seen matching numbers cars that are horrible and I've seen cars with non-matching numbers that are beautifully restored and, oh, yeah, and, and I mean, drive amazingly. Ma having matching numbers is no, no, doesn't say anything about the quality of the car. No. no. Uh, I mean, no. And, and, and even, even, if we, even if we look into this perception of the car being untouched, it's as it left the factory. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm going I'm to exaggerate the point vastly here to make my point. But let's say that back in 1960-something, I went and bought whatever car, doesn't matter what, some car, and my neighbor bought a car exactly the same. Within a month, the block on my car, God knows why, cracks. The it's probably an MG. It's probably an MG. Yeah. So the block probably cracks, and I go, back to the, I go back to the dealership, I'm, I'm exaggerating vastly here, but I go back to the dealership, and let's just pretend that this dealership opened up the engine to find out what was wrong, and found, how, how many parts are there in an engine? If, you, if we can count everything, a thousand parts? Maybe, Ish? yeah. Something like that. Depends if you count the washers. Yeah, well, let, let's call it, for argument's sake, let's count, call it a thousand parts. So the, the, the dealership, they open up the engine and they find that 999 parts of my car, of my car's engine, are actually, they're only a month old, perfect. So they take a new block 
and they put 999 parts from an old engine into the new block and put it into my car and I drive home and I'm happy. My neighbor who bought the same car, nothing went wrong with his car, he drove it forever, he, massive mileage, and at one point the car needed a restoration and he had the whole engine redone. They reused the original block, but they changed 999 other parts. So I've now got a car, vastly exaggerating the point, I've now got a car with 999 original engine parts and one that's not. My neighbor's got a car yeah. with one original engine part, the block, and 999 parts that are not original, yeah. and his car is going to be worth more significantly the market more just than mine. thinks it's worth more. That's stupid. It is, it is silly. Also, you know, in our line of work, with particular brands, we have to be very, very careful. Particularly with Porsches. There's a lot of restamping. Particularly with E-types. There's a lot there of restamping. There are more restamped E-type engine blocks than there are original engine blocks. Right. And it takes a, sometimes a really, really trained eye to... to, to, to and sometimes an x-ray machine, which is some lengths that people have to go to, to get to this, like actual conclusive proof that this is the original engine and we have lots luckily we have lots of examples of this is how a, a three should look like on a 911 from 1965 because yep. we know that one was original so we have reference points but it's still not easy because the, the restorers are getting better and better at restamping engines because I'm, they know it's worth more as the original matching num matching yep. numbers well and, engine. and even if they're not restamped i mean at one point i was offered a piece of metal roughly that big with a number on that happened to be cut out of a rusted out chassis on an e-type yeah. and i was also offered the block the engine block those two bits could have built me well, what is perceived to be yeah. and in many cases have what is perceived to be a perfectly original untouched unmolested factory e-type it's a mind you know deal. like when it comes to porsches and, and ferraris and e-types and things like that you've got to be so bloody careful with ensuring that you've done your research. But, but at the same time, if you're not sure, then you should seek expertise. Yeah. And, and that's my main point of advice yeah. in this situation, who's worried about that. I, I, I understand that. And the reason why everything you've just said is interesting and valid is, 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 is because we have built this obsession with matching numbers. Yeah. Because you wouldn't have all of this fakery going on no if it didn't matter the way that it matters and and i suppose that i suppose the issue is why does it matter well so much i, I mean i, it, I it, still think coming back uh, to what i said uh, i yeah. think it's because we want the originality now now let's say let's say that you with a matching numbers car could somehow prove beyond a shadow of doubt that this engine has never ever been opened you know we've done we've serviced it it's had filters and and and, and oil and it's had spark plugs and but we've never opened it Let's say you could document that somehow. I would buy into that. Mm, this, yeah. I understand. I would pay a premium for that because that is the unmolested original car. It's like it left the factory in 19-something. I mm. think there's a charm and a value to that. I get it. And, but, the, the, but the problem is that we're, we're probably all a little bit too shallow. So rather than actually going in and documenting something like this. Shallow. Yeah, well, well I, 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 myself included. Um, but rather than actually bothering to document situations that cars like that properly, we've just decided that if it's matching numbers, it's amazing. And if it's not, then it's horrible. Yeah. And Although yeah. there is one exception to this rule. Although one brand, right? This is the exception to this rule. Alfa Romeo. <laughs> they didn't document the numbers. They gave you ranges of like, okay, this slot's within this range for this model year. But for some reason, 
No one gives two hoots about whether or not your Alfa Romeo engine is original or not. Yeah. It's just not, maybe it's a value thing, maybe because they're not as high value as Ferraris or Porsches, but in Alfa Romeo world, if you have a 1300 and it's got a two liter in it now, everyone goes, great, I bet it drives really well. And you're like, yeah, it drives really well. I mean, I do have a 1300 and it still has a 1300 and people go, really? Yeah. Why haven't you put a two liter in it? And it's just a completely different mentality. So it doesn't apply to all no. And I think also, uh, luckily, uh, most people have accepted the race cars, matching numbers is not a thing. Yeah, but, but, but it, it's... Largely. It, but, but, you know, that in it, in, in <coughs> it's because of most race cars are like um, Trigger's broom, aren't they? You know, yeah. my old Lotus um, uh, Climax, an original Coventry Climax alloy block from the 50s, they just become weak, yes. yeah. you know, you, and you, you can't, when you start trying to build a competitive engine, you can't, you really... It's quite hard to use an yes. original block. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and in any case, a car that's been raced since 1958, when the engine blew up mid-race in 1962... You, built, just, you built a new and better engine. Yeah, you, it, it threw a rod out the side. You yeah. just put another engine in and, yes. and, and the bodywork gets smashed, so you put on new bodywork. But it's weird, isn't it? Because you'll cut a race car some slack, but you won't you won't cut the E-Type Roadster some which, slack. Which is, um, I agree. Uh, they're still, bo both are valuable cars. And both yeah. are, Much as I work in an industry where matching numbers is, seems to be everything, I personally don't really regard it as... Particularly important. No. I mean, it is, unfortunately, in our it, industry, it, it is to the value. It is, yes. And it goes I, back to my I was just about, about to say, I agree. I agree. I consider it, I have to consider it. I accept that I have to consider it important when I value a car. Because I can't, I can't change the, the market. It's the probably market the first what question the we ask. Yeah, on a just, lot about, of just about. So, Which is sad. It says a lot, doesn't it? Well, but, how, how many times the phone rings? Hello, I've got a car to sell. What is it? Uh, okay, so um, uh, what's the mileage? Has it got original paint? And is it matching numbers? Yeah. yeah. You, that Essentially, they're your first three questions. They are. Kind of are. They are. And, and it's, well, it's shallow, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. But it says, really? you know, it's indicative of, unfortunately, the, the values that we're dealing with here. Like, they, they've gone up dramatically, and people want to know what they're buying. And when something isn't matching, yeah, there are, there are definitely clients out there for non-matching cars, for sure. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, but they take a, pr a price hit as a consequence of not being original. And sadly, that is the reality of the market as it is today. Is yeah. it going to change anytime soon? Probably not. I don't think so. Probably not. Well, so there we okay. are. Pressing it just means, so, no, no, because it just means that all of us that don't care can buy equally good cars at lesser prices. Well, on that happy note, Anders, <laughs> lend me some money and I'll buy myself a cheap non-matching car with a respray. Yeah. Uh, whatever you do, don't go and buy an MG Midget from 1968 because it's definitely not matching numbers, especially no. if it was your one. Reg, num <laughs> Reg number TUD426G. Yeah, mentally noted, mentally avoid. noted. Avoid that one. <laughs> yeah. yeah, don't go there. Uh, Great. Thanks, chaps. Oh, I'm glad we've resolved these issues for totally. the listeners. And totally. uh, we'll come the back. The world is now a better we'll, place. We'll, we'll come back <laughs> with another episode and tackle something in an equally uh, um, unsatisfactory and non-conclusive way. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Perfect.
Thank you for joining us. I hope you enjoyed that chat uh, and I hope it's uh, perhaps resolved some of these topics uh, in your heads uh, in terms of uh, where you stand on those particular things. It probably hasn't resolved anything at all, has it? Uh, but, but I hope you enjoyed it nevertheless. Um, thank you for joining us. We're going to take a break now because uh, I'm recording this uh, just about a week out from Christmas. So I hope you have a great Christmas and uh, please join us again in the new year.